Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. You're listening to Nothing Funny About Money. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Michael Thomas. On today's episode, we're talking about housing. You can't talk personal finance without touching on housing. Consider for a moment Americans' single biggest expense, housing. How about the single largest source of debt? By a long shot. There's over $8 trillion in home mortgages out there, about seven times as much debt as in student loans. And let's not just talk about the dollars. Housing helps define us as individuals. Where we live is part of who we are. Think about where you grew up. Did you live in a house, an apartment? Did you move around a lot? These things have profound effects on our behaviors and mental health. How about the first time you decided to move in with a romantic partner? Heavy stuff. Ah, Expensive stuff. Housing. For millions of Americans, the foundation for financial success and living the American dream. And the foundations for financial ruin. Living the American nightmare. Hmm. The Department of Housing and Urban Development has a guideline that says, don't spend more than 30% of your income on housing. Yeah. So if you make $100,000 a year, don't spend more than $30,000 a year. Simple. If you make $30,000 a year, don't spend more than $9,000 a year. Mm -hmm. That is pre-tax. And a lot of people struggle with these sorts of things. I looked up the stats because, of course, that's what I do. And what HUD and the Census Bureau and others are reporting is that 47% of Americans fail that guideline. They spend more than 30% of their income on housing. And that's 2016. If we go back in time to 2006, 46% failed. So nothing's changed. (laughs) Nothing's changed in 10 years. One fourth of American households pay 50% or more of their income on housing. Hmm. One in four. That's 12 million households. Wow. And Let's keep diving in because I really want to paint a picture of how hard this is for a lot of people. I'm thinking about a budget right now. I'm actually – I'm literally oh, yeah. visualizing. How If you're losing 50% just to housing – Child care? Forget it. Car? Forget it. I mean – Food? Food? Decent food. <laughs> it's really, really hard. This is why HUD says if you fail that 30% guideline, you are in financial distress. That's the word that they use. Yes. So uh, here's another way of slicing this. We have a lot of national debate on minimum wage right now. Mm -hmm. The National Low Income Housing Coalition did a study, and they looked at, can you afford a one-bedroom apartment on minimum wage? They went out to 3,000 counties in the United States and found that in only 22 of 3,000 can someone actually afford a one-bedroom house on minimum wage. How about Social Security? There's a lot of Americans who depend on Social Security to pay for all their living expenses. That same group, the National Low Income Housing Coalition, ran a study and found that the average person on Social Security can only afford $250 a month on rent. Yes. Now, you listeners out there, you live in places. You Mm -hmm. know about what housing costs. Could you live on $250 a month? Think about it. My guess is no. It's not happening. Absolutely not. So it's tough. So housing is really expensive. 
And we <laughs> we live here in Athens, Georgia. Athens has a relatively inexpensive housing market. A lot of people who live in our listenership area might not really feel the housing pinch so much. Yeah. Now let's look at some other parts of the country. I used to live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and oh boy, is housing ever expensive there. We are very fortunate in that two of our recent graduates from the UGA Financial Planning Program moved out to the Bay Area. So they lived here. They know what housing's like here from that deep financial planning point of view. Then they lived out there. I'm speaking about Faith and Ryan Rasmussen, and I've interviewed them over the phone. They're delightful. So let's turn now to that interview. Okay, so Ryan, why don't you give us a sense? What was your housing situation like here? So I lived in an apartment with three other roommates. I paid, I think it was 550 plus utilities and electric and all that. So 550 all included out here. And then Faith, what was your situation? It was similar. I lived in a two-bedroom off of Millage, right in the middle of all the the Greek life houses. Sure. And I paid about 450 including utilities. Okay, so the two of you together then, that's $1,000. Everything paid for with housing. Every month, 1000 bucks, And you both moved to the Bay Area. Yeah, that's correct. I've been here for a year and three months, and Faith's been here for three. Three months, mm-hmm. yeah. So are you all yeah. in San Francisco itself now? Initially, for the first seven to eight months, lived out in Berkeley. Yeah. Um, I actually got the referral from you, Matt. You lived with my yeah, friend Sonny. Oh, yeah. Sonny's the man. First, I kind of want to start it off by telling my experience in Berkeley because that that's a fun one. I absolutely <laughs> love Berkeley. I loved my housing situation there. But when I first moved out here, I didn't see the place before I paid my deposit or anything. It's like, all right, I'm just going to move out here. I looked on Craigslist. This is by far the cheapest place. So I had three other roommates, so four people living in this house total, and I paid $900 a month to live in this four-bedroom, one-bath, standalone house. And as you said, that's the cheapest you could find because uh, it's been rent-controlled, I think, for now, God, eight years, something like that. Uh, Oh, yeah. Day one, when you moved in, how much did you have to put down in that case? Close to $2,200 to move in. And that's first month's, and then is that an $1,100 security deposit? It was last month's rent plus a security deposit, and then I had to pay first month's rent. So it was actually closer to $3,000. Yeah, so that's... And he actually had to pay a month or maybe two months of rent before he moved because Sonny was basically said, you know, I can't hold this place for you. We need somebody else to move in. And because it was so cheap, there were other people that were interested. And so in order to to hold it, he had to pay a few months rent when he was still living in Athens. Wow. So by the time you moved in, you'd paid almost $5,000 for this apartment. Yeah. 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 And that was a steal. You're like, that was such a great decision. What a cheap place. Yeah, it was the biggest investment I've ever made at that point in my life. $5,000 and I didn't even get to live in the house for over a month and a half. And you didn't blink because as you said, that's that is cheap out there. 
I think people who oh, yeah. are listening in Georgia sometimes have no sense of just how expensive it can be. And then when Faith, you moved out there, did you live at that place in Berkeley? I did not. I visited a few times, and I was very glad when he was out of there because <laughs> it was small and one bathroom, you know. So I was extremely glad when we got our place in the city. Okay, so tell me about your place in San Francisco. It's an apartment complex. It's about 500 square feet, the apartment that we rent. You walk in, kind of a kitchen, living room, and then we we actually do have a bedroom. We were thinking we were going to have a studio and everything was going to be all one room, essentially. But we did get lucky to find a place that has a bedroom, which in Georgia is kind of a given. Sure. Here, for our place here, we pay about twenty seven hundred a month, and I think that's pretty good. (laughs) Sure. The average is now what thirty. 700 I think for yeah. the same thing. Yeah, so you guys again, 2700 it feels like you're getting a steal. And 500 yeah. square feet to put that into some kind of context, that's about the size of a a large two-car garage. 2700 nearly three times what you both were paying here for two separate places. And yeah. let's talk about day one costs. I think our moving cost was around 1300 for the security deposit, and then we had to pay first month's rent. Yeah. Oh, so that's a steal. Fortunately, you had the, say, $4,000 at that moment ready to go. But that, yeah. that can be tough. Well, Some people don't we, have that. Yeah, well, so this was actually, you know, to get a little bit more vulnerable, but why not? Sure. Uh, Safe space. Planners. Yeah. Yeah. So we estimated about $10,000 was needed to move from Berkeley to San Francisco. I had roughly about $6,000 to $7,000 saved. We took a loan out from Lending Club to hit the $10,000 mark. Yeah, because he moved in in March, and I didn't move and start working until May, almost the end of May. And so he was having to pay with one income. Could you imagine when you had just been living in Athens that you would need to take out a loan just to get your rent straightened out? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, Being here now, it just seems like totally normal. But yeah, people kind of gave us a bit of a hard time. You know, first thing out of everyone's mouth, (laughs) it's so expensive. And they, you know, how much are you guys going to be paying in rent? And that's more than I pay for my mortgage. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, But, <laughs> you know, for for our jobs and for our careers, we felt that it was the best, you know, decision. Because even though the cost of living and the housing is more expensive, we are making more, you yeah. know, than our peers in the industry uh, back in Georgia. So yeah. I think for where you guys are at right now, as expensive as it might feel, there's probably not a better place in the country to be a financial yeah. planner than San Francisco. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then, yeah, you do pay for it. So yeah. if you are talking to somebody from a place like Athens who's now thinking about moving to San Francisco, what would you tell the next person in line? I would say first, you got to make sure you have a job before you move here. You got to be able to figure out 
if you can afford your rent monthly. The last thing would probably be you should probably live out in East Bay or South Bay, East Bay meaning Walnut Creek or Berkeley or Oakland. Moving here and moving straight to the city is almost impossible. You just need to kind of get all your ducks in a row, all your financial ducks in a row, and figure out what you need to do in order to move out. Sounds good. Ryan, Faith, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Have a good one, Matt. Bye. Yes, you might get paid more elsewhere, but you better be mindful of cost of living because that can eat away at all of those potential earnings that you look at. So if rent is too high, especially in the Bay Area, what can you do? Coming up on the show, how to cut costs. We've got to go to a break any moment, but first, quiz time. As of this moment, the San Francisco Bay Area is the most expensive housing market in the United States. What's the most expensive housing market in the entire world? Hint, hint, not San Francisco. Think about it. Mull it over. Make bets with your friends. We'll get you that answer after the break. Support for Nothing Funny About Money comes from Elwood and Getz, Athens' only wealth management firm registered with the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, offering fee-only comprehensive retirement planning. AthensWealthManagement.com. Before the break, we asked you what the most expensive housing market is in the entire world. And our answer? Hong Kong. That's right. According to Business Insider in 2018, Hong Kong is now the most expensive housing market in the world. So you want to save some more money, don't move to Hong Kong. Housing is the single biggest expense. So if you want to relax your budget, a good place to start is by looking at housing. When I think about cutting costs, I think about my experiences growing up. Living in a hood, having to hit the floor when there were gunshots. Actually, police tried to raid our house one time, and they were at the wrong house. Are you saying go live in the type of neighborhood where it's just absolutely horrible for children and living a healthy lifestyle mentally and having your sanity and peace. I also lived in one of those neighborhoods uh, when I was in Oakland. The six months before I left, there were two drive-by shootings, and yeah. two of my neighbors were gunned down yep. uh, on the sidewalk. So I 100% agree with that sentiment. It's so stressful, and money's not everything. I think there is an idea of a minimum acceptable cost of living minimally acceptable. How do you define that personally? One of the big ones for me is crime. Yep. I lived in that neighborhood. I don't know that I'd do that again because when you have your neighbors tell you, oh, my window got broken in last night, there's broken glass all over the sidewalk from where every week someone's car would get broken into. Absolutely. There's violence. I don't know that that was worth the enormous price I paid to my mental health. I think that I would not do that again. So looking up crime maps of whatever area you're going to move to, I think is an important thing to do. Yeah. 
There are individuals currently right now who are living in situations that are just not acceptable. But what I've seen a lot over and over again with renters is that when you renew the lease, you're actually kind of lulled into not even planning long term. And most people don't even start thinking about the next move until they get a notification and say your lease is coming due. And a lot of people lose out on a whole year or eight or nine months to be setting money aside and to be planning about how I can get out of the situation. So if there is anything that I would add is that if you're feeling like you're in a position right now that is not acceptable to you, one of the best things that you can do is create some line items in a budget or spending plan and be thinking about what can I do to position myself when the time comes over an entire year? Housing is only fixed for the length of the lease. If exactly. even that long, Absolutely. you might be able to break a lease and depending on what the terms are. If you are stuck in that place you're living. Yeah, feeling stuck. Uh, or feeling stuck. Yeah. There are some things to do even without having to move. And one of the big ones, especially for young people, is can you pick up a roommate? If you've got space for a roommate, that person can come in and cut your housing bill by more than half. You don't okay. need to split it 50-50. They can cut by more than half. And even people are saying, well, I don't have a spare bedroom. Mm -hmm. Take a lesson from the San Francisco Bay Area. Look this up yourself if you don't believe me. There are people renting out closets and couches. Somebody put a tent in their living room. Other people put tents in their backyard. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, man. This is a thing? There are houses where they will take a curtain and drag it across the room, creating a, a new bedroom. I just saw a disaster artist, and mm -hmm. that took place in L.A., and that's what they do in The Disaster Artist. There's a curtain where someone creates a bedroom. So I, again, I don't know if that's beyond minimally acceptable. I would never Understood. do that myself. For other people, recognize that you may be overpaying. Absolutely. So we here in Athens have some very cheap housing. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of places for 400 bucks a month that are fine. Now, if you have kids, more than that. But yeah. if it's just you, plenty of places, 400 a month. On the other hand, there are housing units available here as high as $2,000 a month just for the one bedroom or the one room. So maybe don't mm -hmm. pay $2,000 a month, cut back, Absolutely. save $1,600 every single month. And how much is that per year? Multiply that out every single year. You're going to be saving $19. Thousand dollars, absolutely enough to buy a car. Absolutely, every single year. We're not talking about a small amount of money. There's actually an organization here locally, the Athens Land Trust, that has a program available to low-income individuals who are looking into home ownership and making it affordable to where you can actually own a home with plenty of space in a great neighborhood and environment for a fraction of the cost that many of these individuals are paying for rent. So that is the Athens Land Trust. That is one way that people here in Athens can lower their housing bills. Mm -hmm. I want to tell the story of my 2013, which was a <laughs> particularly crazy time in my life. I became kind of obsessed about lowering my housing bills back then. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no, but I was living in Oakland at the time. I was still a graduate student at Berkeley at the time. So hmm. one of the most expensive housing areas in the, in the United States, 
And I was not making very much money as a graduate student. So I came to this realization, if I can cut down my housing costs, that's going to be just as good as going out and getting another job. We're yep. talking tens of thousands of dollars a year. So I had already, beginning of the year, found myself living in a pretty cheap apartment because of rent control, something that California has. And that's relative to California. Relative to California. <laughs> Expensive by Athens standards. Cheap by California standards. Okay, so it's... $1,500. Yeah. I think, I'm doing I great. Paying? I think I was paying $800 a month okay. for one bedroom in a three-bedroom. But And I was about 400 square feet. <laughs> gosh, it, it was fine. It was not bad. I didn't want to leave that place. The reason that I had to leave was because the master tenant was himself leaving and the rent was going to double because now there's no more rent control. Okay, so I'm thinking I can do better than $1,600 a month. So it's May 2013 and I was dating a woman for about six weeks at this point and we decided why not move in together? That was the plan after six weeks of dating. So I go from my place to her place and ended up paying, I think, 450 bucks a month. That relationship, like all my relationships, <laughs> ended. I've got to find a new place to live. Pretty much right across the street from that place, some woman was going out of town for a month and she's panicking because she wants anything. So I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take it. 550 bucks one month. Wow. I moved into a place for one month, dragged all my stuff across the busy street. There we go. I'm there for a month. That month ends. She comes back. I'm hustling. Like you said, plan ahead. Look ahead. Yep. A professor was <laughs> going on sabbatical for one month. And I said, I'll house it for you. I'll take care of your garden. And I got to stay in the place for free wow. for a month. And uh, I'm sorry, Rudy, I killed your tomato plant. I was so bad at uh, watering <laughs> those things. Um, but I, I just don't think you cared. Either. I did care, okay. Michael. So I just was incompetent. It's I lived there for free. A plant, man. Yeah, it's you just look, do it early in the morning before the. Sun you make it up. sound so simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously too difficult for me. So free month of rent. Now we're in the fall. Found a new place to live. In Oakland, $770. And after I signed all the, the lease, I asked him, like, why are you charging this little? Because it's, it was the nicest place I've ever lived in, by the way. Wow. $770. And you Cheaper asked than what I was playing before. Yes, which mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't have done because yeah. it soured my relationship with him. And he said, oh, well, back in 2009, when the previous roommate moved in, hmm. that's what I charged him. Hmm. And I thought to myself, and I said this out loud, well, rent's kind of like doubled since then. Oops. <laughs> so anyways, and uh, then I stayed there for like a year and a half. Wow. When <clears throat> I'm looking at all these other people paying eleven, twelve hundred dollars $1,200 a month, and I, what did I even pay an average of like 500 bucks a month? I saved $600 per month that year. Times it all out. Absolutely. $7,000 plus. That's what I ended up saving just in one year. Wow. Yeah. I, you know what? Don't I, do what I, I did. I never got awful. that part of the story, like the back end of it. Yeah, that was actually really entertaining. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say the, the thing that we've done is we, we try to lock in. We won't do it as far as three years out, but we have done two year 
rental agreements. Locking uh, it in. Sometimes locking it in could actually be a great option, especially for individuals who don't feel like they have the cash to pay for movers, to pay for a down payment. There's so many ways to cut housing costs. And even James McMillan, the rent is too high party, <laughs> he's found ways himself. At one point, he was paying just one third market rate. So his rent actually wasn't too high. Yeah. Ironically enough, check out what options you have. Find ways to cut down on your costs. And one of the more extreme things that you might do is shared with us by Barcroft TV. I live in a van. Ilea has been living in her van since May 2017. I named her Marta. Some people think it's really cool. They just want to hear more. And a lot of people respond by saying, oh, that's amazing, but I can never do anything like that. There have been some people who just don't get it, and they think it's really weird and strange, and they, they just think I'm an oddball. <laughs> Living in a van might seem controversial, but before that, Ilea lived in her car for a year. What do you think, Michael? If you are making those type of sacrifices, and let's say that she's working an amazing job, and she's not having to pay 800 or $1,200 a month, you have to ask yourself, where is that money going? And why is that money going where it's going? There was actually a gentleman in New York who did something similar, and he was able to save enough to have a million-dollar nest egg by the time he was 30 living in New York. People don't do these types of things to look cool, but they are doing these things because they're trying to achieve something that you can't see. You know what first came to my mind when I heard this? <laughs> what? I am 35 years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. That is, of course, Chris Farley yes. from a very old SNL yes. skit. But as Michael Good is saying, back. when you choose to do something like living in a van, it can save you a lot of money, an incredibly yes. large amount of money. Yes. Isn't that the American dream, though? Like, is to be able to live life and not have the expenses associated with it. You can operate and have a wonderful life on less. Yeah. If the American dream is having financial freedom and getting financial freedom means cutting down on some housing costs, yeah. think about how long you'd be willing to put up with this. Yeah. So I'm not telling the person with the family, you mm -hmm. need to go take your kids into the van. I think we're below that minimum acceptable level. Yeah. But what if you've just graduated from college and you're getting that first apartment? How great does that first apartment need to be? If cutting down a little bit and living like you're still an undergrad Absolutely. means putting maybe $15,000 extra in savings. Absolutely. I'm really big on tiny homes. Honestly. Yeah. So if as an alternative maybe to a van or something like that, if I were – just graduating from college and I had a, a really solid job and maybe some student loan debt that I wanted to tackle, think about it. Making a sacrifice of maybe living in a tiny house or a tiny home for a year or two and just taking the extra that you have to just to pay off everything within a year. And then from that point moving forward, everything else is gravy. Or maybe you still live in the tiny or, or home. Or maybe you still live. Because you, you like it so much. For, for 10 years, right? And say, hey, I want to get a nest egg. There's a lot less vacuuming. In a tiny home. I know, right? There, there are options. And people say, what about space? I was like, that's why you have the outdoors. 
Get outside. Totally. Vitamin D. Fresh yeah. air. That has to be good for your health. Right. <laughs> and as you said, you only need to do this for maybe a couple years. Yep, we absolutely. are talking about tens of thousands of dollars saved by the average American per year. So you only need to do this for a couple years to really right your financial so. boat. So think long term. Cutting down on those housing costs absolutely. is a way to do it. We've got to take a break. Before we go, one question. Do you need help managing your housing costs? Perhaps you're looking for a cheaper apartment or thinking of buying for the first time. Reach out. We're happy to help answer your questions and point you in the right direction. Shoot us a message by visiting us online at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org. We can chat online, over the phone, or even in person. Assuming you live in Athens, Georgia. Offer to meet in person available exclusively to residents of Athens, Georgia. Support for Nothing Funny About Money comes from Canon Financial Strategists, an advisory firm that helps organizations and individuals design, maintain, and monitor retirement plans for a better financial future. More information available at canonplanners.com. Welcome back. We're talking about cutting housing costs. We're very fortunate to have a local expert on cutting all sorts of costs. I'm speaking, of course, about Pip Pennywise, who joins us now. Glad to be on the show. Your blog is called Makes Sense to Me. Sense spelled with a C. Yes. It's a pun. Okay. Uh, So let's kind of get into the questions here. What's your tip for cutting housing costs? My tip today is to Airbnb your house. Airbnb your house. Okay. If if you Airbnb your house, where do you live? Well, since you can make more money by renting out the entire house, I just live in the attic. I put a tent up there. How do you live up there? It's just like camping. You should bring all your supplies. It's not hard. Haven't you ever been camping? I'm almost afraid to ask this, but where do you, like, go to the bathroom? I just take the Tupperware up there. It comes in all shapes and sizes, and it has an airtight seal. I'm sorry that I asked that question. How much did you save last year? So last year was not representative. Why was last year different? Last winter, I had to get up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. And as I was shuffling to my Tupperware corner, I tripped on one of those wooden beams up there. Okay. See, it's an unfinished attic. Anyway, I stubbed my toe really bad, but I couldn't make any noise. So I'm squeezing my eyes shut, and I couldn't see nothing. So I fell right into the insulation. And that doesn't support your weight so good. So I just went right through the ceiling. Oh, wow. And I landed on this lady. Oh, did she know you were there? No, she was sleeping in my bed, and she was not a happy camper. Okay. So between my medical bills and her medical bills, I'm down about 20 grand. And this is pending the outcome of the trial. This is absolutely absurd. And... I, like, you know everything. <laughs> you know what? I don't know everything, but my, my, my temperature is about Mr. to boil right Big now. Finance guy, and there's a reason there's a reason why you have a lawsuit and I would suggest oh, that no, no. that you check yourself right now because no, no. All right. You might Chris, not can you call like it, thank you? Can we get him out of here? Our listeners don't want to hear this. I'm out of here, Lucas. Oh no, you're already out of here. I already said you were out of here. You don't you don't decide when you're out of here. 
I decided that for you. All right. We went a little too mean there. <laughs> Welcome back. This week, we're talking about housing. I'm Matt Gorin, and I'm here with Michael Thomas and Chris Shoup. So far, we've been focusing on the rental side of housing, but there is an alternative, buying a place. We've got three people here. Two of us, obviously, are renters, and we have one of us who owns Chris. So how about we have a little debate? Is it better to rent or is it better to buy? Oh, it's obviously better to buy. (laughs) There's no no real debate, actually, at all. there, there's no debate at there's all. There's no debate at have all. Have you been listening to the See, rest of the I, episode, like, Chris? No, it's Matt, just, it doesn't Matt and matter. I don't no have to, Matt and I don't have to cut grass. Yeah, actually, I do cut grass. Do you enjoy but it? But I love cutting grass. I have the okay. little beer helmet where you put the <laughs> – and I just ride around in a circle with my beer helmet on, a can in each side, and the straw that comes around. <laughs> right. You getting that? Well, and lemonade. Well, and well, the better one. Matt and I don't have to pay a homeowner's association due or fee. Do you have to pay HOA? No. Oh, don't what, have to pay that. What uh, what are the costs that you've got to eat? Taxes, but that's yeah. but you, you can write uh-huh. that off. It's one of the biggest tax shelters that anybody can get, right? It, um, it, it used to be. It used to be, but with the new tax code, <laughs> there are going to be fewer people who are actually able to actually utilize that through itemizing because oh. they're raising the standard deductions. Yeah, so right? the tax help of owning for a lot of people has gone down. Absolutely. Uh, us renters, well, rents pretty much stayed the same. Right, right. So you'd actually need to go talk to your... So I'll need to go down to Bill's Lube and Auto, <laughs> where they also do my taxes when they change my oil. Oh, boy. So that's actually, what... you know, that is not a bad idea. Have your brakes changed right. and yeah. get your taxes. Sure. Actually, use your tax refund yeah. to pay for your brakes and transmission. Okay. So you've got the extra taxes, mm-hmm. insurance... Yeah, oh, yeah, you have to have insurance. That's correct. But you have to have insurance, too. You have to have renter's insurance, right? No, we right? don't have to, no. But you should. You, you, mm, don't you think you should? It's only, it's only like Maybe. $20. And uh, honestly, there's, there's, no, there's nothing in my house that's worth $20, or mm. apartment, that is. <laughs> mm. So even, like, I'm actually at a loss for paying wow. this thing uh, uh, outside of my kids and uh, my wife. What's homeowner's insurance? It's not $20. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest one, though, to me, is... Maintenance, and I don't mean that just in the cost. I mean that in actually having to deal with maintenance, and that's yeah. what you kind of went with, with the mowing the lawn, the mowing the lawn. But when I pressure washing the house, and some of that might be eaten by a renter. You know, you might need to mow your own lawn, and you might need to clean some stuff up. But what I'm thinking of is when I moved into my apartment, dishwasher wasn't dishwashing, so mm. I I call up the landlord and say, "Can you come in and fix this?" Brand new dishwasher. Mm. Brand new? I don't know how much dishwashers cost, Mm -hmm. but I don't need to know how much they cost (laughs) because I'm a renter. Well, wait until it's time to renew your lease. Remember that dishwasher? Which we just did. (laughs) No increase. No increase increase at all. Let me me guess. uh, Let me push back just a little bit. Let me guess. How long did you wait before that dishwasher arrived? Gosh, a week maybe. What did you do for a week? I didn't eat. Yeah, that's what yeah. I did. I couldn't. I couldn't figure out how to yeah. wash dishes by yeah. hand. Millennials, millennials don't know how to which, use. I had paper plates and I threw them away. And, which, and, by and the and way, if you have not actually engaged with nothing funny about money on social media, you don't know that Matt Gorin weighs about fifty pounds. Yeah, wet. So he fifty pounds soaking wet. So the whole dishwasher thing is ridiculous. I'm yeah. one of those people who just takes a really deep breath once a day, and that's enough. <laughs> 
Oh my but gosh. Uh, getting back to the okay. point, uh, okay. the maintenance thing. So I don't know how much that costs, but that's probably almost a month of my rent that would have gone to replace the dishwasher. Didn't have to do it. But if you own your own home, you've got to deal with all that. That's right. Are you, are you handy? Not at all. But I know good people. <laughs> Boy, look, I a have, celebrity. I, ha- I have people. The, yeah, local I have, celebrity discount. Yes, I have people. So let's go back a little bit. Go back in time. Sure. When you first purchased a home, yes. did you rent prior to that? Yes, okay. I was a renter before. You were a renter. And making that transition from renting to owning a home initially, mm-hmm. did you have a moment where you thought to yourself, wow, you know, renting actually wasn't that bad compared to maybe all the things that we're having to deal with. No, because I was totally jaded <sighs> and caught up in the intense amount of American pride Understood. that I was living the American dream Understood. and that you my castle was mine and that there was nobody else that could ever do anything with my piece of property. It was mine. Wow. Yeah. For me, I can relate to all that. I yeah. mean, I'm on the outside looking in. I want my castle. Well, I want to be an adult already. And the caveat there is if you're moving into a neighborhood that has a HOA, Homeowners Association, yeah. if they're lax or if they have very stringent rules, because that can be, you can feel you don't have as much freedom in yeah. your own home because you can't do something a color that you'd want. If For some people, if your grass is over a, an inch and a half, some of us love holidays, right? Halloween, Christmas, yeah. can't put up the things that you want to put up, especially yeah. the Halloween folks who go overboard there. There are some that are my, like that. The, the HOA at my, my neighborhood growing up, they got really upset when my dad's second gas generator that he had to light up all the, the Halloween decorations, it kind of ruptured and it spilled gas onto the lawn and then, <laughs> then all the lights <laughs> shorted. And Wow. And it set the lawn on fire. Oh and my God. God, we never heard the end of that. Wow. wow. So my... you all were that family. I, I guess. Uh, but Interesting. I'm not even thinking crazy stuff. I mean, yeah. just like the Airbnb, for example, here in Athens, I was able to pay my rent for a, a whole year. And I, and I just can, based on I a can handful confirm of, that. Yeah, just based yeah, on a handful of football games. But now... The landlord since then has said, no, 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 we don't want you to do that anymore. If I owned a house, maybe I could have my house be free Understood. just because I was airbnb a few games. Let's wrap up this portion of the debate. We've got some, some guests with us today. Some interns we are do. listening. Are you guys going to rent or buy now? Any idea? We'll rent for now, yeah. at least. Rent for now. There it is. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. I'm a poor, struggling college student yeah. that obviously can't afford a house. I, I think Don't qualify it. Don't qualify yeah, and, it. And actually, home ownership is actually a lot more affordable. Okay, shut up. <laughs> they said rent I'm just, one. If, if we're talking no, about the done. numbers. They said rent one. Comparatively. Okay. What you can pay so for. So we're wrapping this up with a bow. Where we won, actually closer than you think. Chris lost. That's wrapped up. <laughs> Thanks for participating, Chris. Um, Boom. <laughs> I'm just going to turn off both your microphones. We now. got That's this. That's what I'm going to do, and then <laughs> I win. Okay. So as you we were saying, there are lots of factors when deciding whether to rent or buy, yep. and the single biggest one may simply be how long are you going to stay in one place. Every location has its own individual time. Absolutely. So what you can do is check out one of my favorite little tools, the New York Times 
rent or buy calculator. Just hmm. get on Google, search for that. And what you can do with a lot of playing around. I like this idea. I've never yeah. I've never heard of this. Check this out. Yeah, this so is the first time. Plug in information like how long are you gonna stay? Ah what's the mortgage interest rate? Actually, you all I'm these gonna, little bits of I'm information. Pull, pull that up. up right now. Pull it up. New York Times. And what you can find by playing around with this calculator is exactly where the cutoff is. Should you buy? Should you keep renting? And what you may find is yeah, your place is the national average. All right. You're sticking around a place five to seven years. It's kind of a toss-up. Sticking around longer should make more sense to buy. What you might find is some <laughs> weird stuff. And I'll give you a couple examples of some of these weird things. If you plug in information about renting or buying here in Athens, Georgia, pretty much no matter what you plug in, you're going to find it's better to buy. It's incredible. Yep. You can stay in Athens as little as two years. And this calculator is going to tell you, yeah, you are probably better off buying. Hmm. That's, of course, if you've got money for a down payment Absolutely. and you have a decent credit and, score. And, and that's so taking on. into consideration the appreciation of, of home values and things of that nature as well? Things okay. like appreciation, so right. uh, expected future sale prices. Loving this. It's got an estimation of what your investment returns would be if you kept your down payment instead of putting the down payment into a house. All sorts of stuff. Check out this calculator. Absolutely. There's like a hundred different things that you can adjust. It's pretty incredible. So if you're living in some places where rent is relatively expensive, buying is relatively cheap, that's your Athens, Georgia. Good to know that yeah. because you use this calculator. And on the flip side, if you look at some of those more expensive markets like San Francisco, use this calculator, you'll yeah. find it might take as long as 10 years living in San Francisco to justify that home purchase. Wow. And I, honestly, I don't even know how you can come up with 20% on a home purchase in San in Francisco or in just California, yeah. just generally speaking. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Wow. So, right. Save up as much as you can. You, you poor people in, in California. So, in all the stuff that we're talking about, planning ahead can save you so much money and prepare you for the opportunity when it arises. Can't agree more. We've got to take another break, but we'll be back with more on housing. Next up, we're going to hear from a local realtor. We'll also learn the story of a very inspiring, wealthy person who took buying her first house to the next level. All that and more. Stay tuned. Nothing Funny About Money is supported by listeners like you. You can find more information about how you can support public radio at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org and wuga.org. You two are going to love this one. It's a turn-of-the-century unit with plenty of storage, great views. All right, hold on. Oh, great. Oh, this is so exciting. The last one was, uh... Well, you know, they can't all be winners. <laughs> here we are. Uh, we're on the roof. Is there another door up here? No, this is it. Charming. You can see the Moors building right there, and... This isn't a house. How can we buy a roof? Yeah. Well, technically the third floor, actually. The hurricane that came through last year blew the roof off, so this is the third floor? I think we're looking for something with a roof, not on the roof. Listen, folks, you've got to have some reasonable expectations. Ah! Oh my goodness, that was a seagull! Usually the cats keep those things away. I'm so sorry about that. There's got to be something around here in our price point. Well, we can keep looking, but you barely have anything saved up, and your credit scores are pretty terrible. 
Well, honey, maybe this isn't so bad. I could put my Beanie Babies over there by the exposed wiring. No, this is silly. At least find us something upwind of the paper mill. Okay, fine. Let's get going. There's a crawl space on the market in Midtown. Uh, fewer cockroaches than you'd think. Okay. Before the break, we were talking about renting versus buying. At some point, most Americans buy a house. I've been in the market for a new house for about a year now, and every time I get the itch, I call up my realtor, Cord Sibilski. Cord has been voted the favorite realtor in Athens four years running. I brought him on the show to get some insider tips on buying your first home. Okay, so let's do a role play. You're going to be you, okay. and I'll be me from last year. Oh, God. Okay. Cord, I want to buy a house for the first time. What do you tell me? Okay. Why do you want to buy a house, Matt? That's that's the first question. So what do people tell you when you ask them, why do you want to buy a house? Maybe they're looking for an investment or I'm here for school for X number of years and I'm thinking about buying a house because maybe it's cheaper than renting. They could be moving up. They could be downsizing. Uh, Athens is one of the top retirement destinations. The whole range. Yes. There's all sorts of reasons why somebody would want to buy. That's correct. So somebody like me, the mm-hmm. 30-ish year old, yes. who's sick of paying rent. Right. I'm ready to buy a house. That person specifically, you're sick of renting. Why are you sick of renting? You know, it's if it's specifically because it's a better financial decision to buy versus rent, then we sit down and we talk about how long do you think you'll be in Athens? If you're in Athens for 18 months, it doesn't make sense, in my opinion, to buy a place. Why do you say that? There's a lot of cost that is associated with buying a house. You have loan costs and you have lawyer costs and you have essentially setting up the mortgage process and buying the house is expensive. And then selling the house at the end of it is also expensive. So, you know, if you don't stretch that over a long enough term, you're going to pay more than if you were just to rent for that short amount of time. Down payment. You usually hear 20%. That's the golden rule. Yep. That's the goal. But you can go way lower than that. You can absolutely go. You can go 0%. If I'm thinking Mm 150,000, if I'm shooting for 20%, I'm shooting for $30,000. That's correct. But then there's these closing costs. How much are those going to. So closing costs, off the hip, the estimate's 3%. So you're talking about $4,500 to close a $150,000 house. Now, there are ways to allocate that $4,500. There, you know, there are ways to negotiate that $4,500, but it's an added expense that not everybody, they don't think about necessarily. Yeah, invisible. Yeah. Invisible cost. Invisible cost. So somebody who says, I'm sick of renting, I'm ready to go, I want to buy a $150,000 house, then you tell them, all right, where's your $35,000? That's right. Yeah. Do you get and a lot of say, people who are like, here you go? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Have you had people come to you who are that excited and ready to go, and then you try to pull the plug on the whole thing a little bit? Uh, It can certainly happen. I live in this town. I I really like the area. I see half my clients at the grocery store. I don't want anybody to get in over their head. So I I think a good realtor is is like a good financial counselor. They're going to sit down with the buyer or seller and say, hey, listen, this this is the process. This is what you can expect. Does this fit within your comfort zone? Let me tell you about all the fees, all the potential bumps in the road. The example we talked about earlier, I'm in town for the next 18 months while I go to school at UGA. Does it make sense to buy? I mean, somebody could be really excited about buying a house. And if their plan is to sell their house at the end of 18 months, there's a lot of cost of ownership there. And they may say, hey, listen, I don't care. 
I mm. want to have a house. I want to have parties at the house, and it's worth it to me to pay the premium for that. And as long as they understand that they're paying that, that's all I want. I want people to know that that, that should be the expectation, that it's going to cost them when it comes time to sell it. I think conversely, if you said, hey, listen, I'm looking to live here 18 months, and then I want to rent my house out, you know, that that's also a possibility. That's also a good strategy. I would not want somebody to come in there not know the costs of selling the house or the cost of what are you going to do at the end of this period and then be be stuck or be unsatisfied in any way. Right. So it's not just what are the financial pieces. You've got to know the goals. Yeah. Because that is going to completely swing you got the direction one way or yeah. the other. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to understand your motivations behind wanting a house. You're taking a very laissez-faire approach to being a real estate agent. I don't know. It's not my style to push somebody. But again, you know, there are 600 real estate agents in Athens, and I I have no doubt that every one of them has a different approach to it. Always closing, sell, sell, sell. A, B, C, always be closing. Always be closing. That's right. See, I'm not a real estate agent. I don't know the lingo. (laughs) You should watch Glengarry Glenn Ross. It's educational. There you go. Yeah. When we were working together, Mm -hmm. one of my one of the reasons that I was drawn to you as an agent, because I had worked with some other people who were okay. more salesy, okay. was, I can't remember which house it was exactly that we looked at, but you were basically like, yeah, you don't want this place. <laughs> <laughs> this place sucks. This isn't for you. Yeah. Like, well, uh, doesn't he make money if I buy a place? What is he doing? Sure. And I think we went to a few places where you were like, for whatever reason, for what you want, this is not a good fit. Yeah. And again, I think it comes back to understanding your buyer. I remember meeting you, and I believe you had several spreadsheets of reasons why to buy, and we, we, we went in depth to it. But yeah, I mean, you have to be happy with it. I, I graduated from Terry College. Uh, I have a degree in real estate. It's all about cash flow and numbers. I mean, it's a very financially focused degree program, and it's a lot to do with the commercial side of real estate. And residential real estate is completely opposite. It's all about the feels. There's a monetary component to it, but also it's where you go to sleep at night, where you hang out. It's where you have your friends over. And if you're not having fun with it, if it's not a house that feels good, it's not a house for you. And if you're a handy person and looking for a project, there are houses out there for you. If you're not a handy person, there's some houses you probably shouldn't buy. Aligns well with what we talk about on this show all the time. It's a show about money. But it's actually about happiness and quality yeah. of life. And That's right. It sounds like the exact same thing. Yeah. Any other secret real estate gems you want to share with us? Gosh, I don't know. I, I will say, so I've been doing this for nine years now. There are more secret passages in houses in Athens. <laughs> more, really? Than, yeah, right? Like nobody, like <laughs> crazy stuff like that. Like, huh. I don't know if that's so where do the secret passages go? They go to all sorts of places. I've seen some go to like... They're safety bunkers. No, panic rooms. Panic rooms. Yeah. They're all sorts of panic rooms. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you for your insights, Cord. Glad to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. I'm going to be using these strategies because as you and I have talked about, both of us are in a market of uh, potentially getting a house. But Danny has a great story about someone who is, who's gone above and beyond what we've been talking about as it relates to buying a home. For more on that, let's turn to Danny Kofke and his latest wealthy person. Hey, this is Danny Kofke, and I'm here with this week's wealthy person. Every episode, we will focus on someone that lives a wealthy life. This week, we are going to focus on a 34-year-old who owns eight homes, eight 
Paula Pont. When Paula graduated from college, she did what was expected of her and got a job. Right? How boring, I know. In fact, she landed what was her dream job at the time, a newspaper reporter in a scenic Colorado city. She only made $21,000 a year, but loved her work. However, there was one aspect she did not enjoy. She lacked freedom. Like most office jobs, she had to show up five days a week and work nine to five. If Paula wanted to spend a week at the beach, she needed to put in a request. She wanted to have control over her time, so she worked extra jobs and saved as much as possible. Slowly, hundreds of dollars turned into thousands. In April 2008, she handed in her resignation and bought a one-way airline ticket to Egypt. Paula had $25,000 in the bank. She spent the next two years backpacking across Asia and Australia. She rode camels in Cairo, scuba dived in Thailand, explored Indonesian islands, and drove 27,000 kilometers across Australia. Upon returning to America a few years later, she had a terrifying thought. She might need to get a job again. She wanted to build investments that could solely support her instead of relying on a paycheck for groceries and gas. She decided to build this through real estate investing. She and her boyfriend started by saving money she made from her day job. In 2011, when housing prices were low, they bought a triplex. She lived in one of these units and rented out the other two. Thanks to this rental income, Paula was able to live for free since the rent she charged paid for her own housing costs. Here, Paula discusses her motivation for leaving the rat race. I realized that if I wanted to take a vacation, if, if I wanted to take a single day off, I would need to write a formal request and send it to HR for approval. When I realized that that was the case, I, I knew I didn't want to spend the next 40 years like that. After buying the triplex, Paula kept saving money, reinvesting as much as possible into her real estate business. She bought another house, then another, and another, just like Monopoly. She made many mistakes, but over time created systems and built a business that generates profits while she sleeps. In fact, the money that flows into her bank account while she is sleeping, traveling, hiking, exploring the world, whatever she wants to do, is enough to support her and her once boyfriend, now husband, for the rest of their lives. She can pay the bills with passive income and doesn't need to answer to a boss. Paula doesn't work in a cubicle and never sits in rush hour traffic. She lives life exactly as she wants. She has broken the shackles of paycheck dependence, and there is nothing funny about that. Until next time... Here's the Living Wealthy. Paula put together everything we talked about today. She recognized how much she spent in housing, she wanted to cut down her costs, and she bought a home. And she planned ahead. None of that would have happened if she didn't have a goal and the patience to stick with it. If you're having trouble with any of this, reach out. Visit nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org and send us a message. Just look to the right side of the page. We're happy to help over email, phone, or in person. And if you help out an organization, we love to speak to an audience. We've given talks literally coast to coast and want to hear from you too. Is that it? I think so. Thanks again, as always, to our executive producer, Chris Shoup, and our audio engineer, Garrett Burke. Special thanks to our guests, Hannah Adler, Danny Kofke, and Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. And thank you for listening. Until next time, peace. 
You've been listening to Nothing Funny About Money. This show is recorded in the studios of WUGA Athens on the University of Georgia campus. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Michael Thomas. Reach out. We'd love to answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And connect with us online at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Line takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts.